It is Pentecost Sunday. I forgot to mention that at the beginning. But I think we're having enough clues uh, in the time of people praying and bringing out about the, the Holy Spirit, as uh, Steph just said about the fact that the Holy Spirit, uh, Jesus hadn't ascended yet. We're going to just kind of unpack that a little bit in a few moments. Um, cool. So many years ago, um, and it feels like many, many years ago, um, I was the youth leader at The Rock. And throughout the year, we would put on events for young people, very similar to what goes on here. Uh, we'd do regular stuff that you would see in any kind of youth ministry. And sometimes it would be a real hard slog. And sometimes evenings would go on and on. And then we had young people that say, you, we meet for an hour and a half, can we do two hours? And everything in you is going, no. And then you try it for two hours, and they get fed up. And you just kind of get this whole thing going on. But actually, it was also an absolute privilege and a joy to work with young people. The conversations, the, the kind of the, the fun you could have with them. And actually, you could use them to keep you as a, like a young person. It made you feel young. Um, and it was just an absolute privilege to be with them. And every year, we would go to uh, an event. Like um, our young people are going to um, Satellite this year. Uh, there's been in the past things like Soul Survivor, uh, New Wine. We went to one that was called New Day. And it was a week-long uh, festival, uh, mainly held in Norwich. And uh, it would be full of the kind of norms that you would expect at these festivals of worship, teaching, loads of fun, all those kind of things. And over the years, we had taken a group ranging from 15 to over 100. We even one year had the Orini plane, not the Trilander, but the bigger plane uh, to ourselves, which was really good fun. Um, none of us piloted it. It was qualified pilots. So some of the young people would come along raring to go. They were like, they knew months and months in advance they're coming along to this and they're really looking forward to it. While others were kind of being pushed by their parents or being kind of nagged by their friends to sign up. And there were times where I wasn't sure that actually if it was because the parents wanted a week off from their child that they were really trying to get them to sign up. Now, I was never a fan, and I'm not a fan of camping. Um, I like a few luxuries. The idea of lying cocooned in this sleeping bag in the middle of the night, waking up and thinking, I really need the loo, and you're kind of just trying to see how long your bladder could last because you don't want to get up and have to kind of feel around in the dark to try and find one of these port loos Also, at the same time, the amount of times I had to get up in the middle of the night and you kind of walk over to the tent, you're going, will you be quiet? Uh, and that was just the team, not to the young people. And, and actually, in all this, it, it, you kind of, those kind of, the, I say the negatives, those were kind of the things I didn't look forward to. But the most important thing, and the most exhilarating, and the most incredible thing that was always the, the, the highlight of the year is seeing time and time again, year in, year out, that young people would encounter the presence of God. And something is unique and special where you take them from a, from a place of normality, of what they're surrounded by their peer group, what the culture on the island, all that kind of stuff, and you bring them and put them in a showground, God shows up. And you hear people giving their lives to Christ. They hear God's voice for the first time. They hear that actually they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. You hear about the fact that actually they come back and they're talking about stories in the Bible. You know, it went on and on about these things. And at the beginning of the week, it would tend to be a quiet start. And... Um, as the week goes on, they would then get more and more immersed in the actual week itself. 
And it would become this regular sight of young people returning at lunchtime, evening, and just talking about stories about the goodness of God. Now, those moments are precious. And those are precious because those young people were amazed and astonished by God. And for me, and I know when the adults came to serve, and I know that people used to say, why do you do that? Give up a week and all this kind of stuff. Actually, you got blessed massively by it. And get blessed because actually you get to encounter young people being changed. And you get then personally amazed and astonished by the goodness of God. And referring to these encounters from years ago, we can fall into that that kind of danger of saying, do you remember the good old days? Or, or we reminisce in a way. It's a massive industry now, this whole retro world, isn't it? Of, of actually um, people kind of spending lots and lots of money because they still want to live in the 80s, 70s, 60s, whatever the kind of era that you were born in. And there's, there's that sense that people grow up with those memories. But actually what we do is we hold on to those things that we've seen God do and we say, actually, Lord, will you replicate it? Or will you do something even greater today? And I think that's so important for us to to know that actually when we talk about the younger generation, sometimes us lot, because the young ones are at Guernsey together tonight, all right, so you're in the older bracket, all of us, all right? But actually what we want to see is that we want to help be an influence to see the younger generation being changed. But at the same time, we want to be changed alongside them as well. And my point tonight as we're going to go through this evening is actually... We all need to be refilled and refreshed in the presence of God. That should be our desire. And as I said, when we were praying before, it doesn't matter how you've come into this building tonight, whether you're in a real low or you're in a real high. It doesn't matter kind of what's on your mind, what's on your heart, the things that you're carrying, the things that you're happily kind of going along your day to day, is we all need a fresh encounter with the presence of God. That's what we need. And if we don't, I'll have a sit down with you at the end and we can have a chat. Because it's important for us to keep desiring. And this is a question I want to ask you. And please, this is not a question to kind of make you feel guilty and think, oh, no, I don't know. If you don't know, it's absolutely fine. But when was the last time you were amazed by God? Cool. I can see smoke coming out of people's ears. Why don't you turn to the person next to you? And if you don't know the... First, the person next to you, introduce yourself. And if you don't actually know when was the last time you were amazed, don't worry about that either. But just kind of share, maybe there is something that you can just say, actually, it can be a very simple thing or it can be a massive thing. But the fact is, what was it that you've been amazed by God at some point? So a quick show of hands. Who's just heard? I know I'm interrupting. You can carry on over coffee at the end. Who here was... um, just heard that someone's been amazed by someone with God. Show hands. Okay, that's, in, that's really encouraging. All right? God's doing things. Okay? So, I'll give you a little insight. Um, you know, when we talk about being amazed, it, you know, we tend to, we love hearing about these big testimonies, these big stories. And when we read about these stories and things like that, it does something to us. It's really, really good. It's encouraging. And I'd encourage you to keep doing those kind of things. But also, it can be the very simple things, the very small revelations that can happen that do something in our heart. So um, I kind of had a moment last week where it was kind of like a, this revelation. Although I knew it, it was almost like a, a fresh, freshness to it. 
And so one of the things I find helps me is when I'm out early in the morning, walking Milo, my dog, and as I'm doing that, I'm praying out loud. I find that really helps me. And while I do it early in the morning, it just avoids bumping into a lot of people that might think, who is that weirdo just kind of talking out loud? But this is kind of what, what happens. It was, I was just praying out loud this, the fact that Jesus was willing to lay down his life for me. And as I was just praying this out, this just became a prayer, the fact that Jesus was obedient even to the point of death. The fact that Jesus was separated from the love of his heavenly Father and that the wrath of God was actually placed upon him. The fact that Jesus died, rose again, and is now with his heavenly Father. And because of Jesus, I can actually know that I've been adopted into his family. And now I get to be in relationship with my heavenly Father. The very fact that I am now a citizen of heaven, the very fact that actually I was once a stranger, a foreigner to God because of the barrier of sin, but because of what Jesus did for you and I, we have now been adopted. We're sons and daughters. Now, church, I knew that already, but there was something last week that as I was praying it, it was just becoming more and more alive to the fact that actually I can come with permission and call him my heavenly father. And it just did something in my heart, and it was just a moment that I was just amazed and astonished that that's the price that Jesus paid, that he was willing to lay down his life for me. And he's willing to do that for you. And he's willing to do that for people that are driving past right now that don't yet know Jesus. That's how incredible and beautiful his love is for each one of us. And the moment we dilute that down, the moment we start to actually just kind of make that a bit of a side issue, then we need others to get alongside us and say, get realigned. We need to be in that place, constantly in awe of the goodness of God's grace and mercy and loving kindness over each one of us. He is so worthy to be praised. They're not just words of songs. They, they do something in our hearts. So that's the kind of revelation that I had recently. Now, what happens in me when we get amazed is that that was early in the morning. What does it do to me? It kind of fuels my day. And in fact, I found that I was starting to pray that the next day, and the day after that, and the day after that. Because it was living with me. And those, those moments out early in the morning are precious. And I'm only beginning to realise how precious they are. So get a dog. All right? <laughs> uh, that's... that's, that's Let's have ministry time to that now, all right? Um, but, but actually, find, find a place. That if you're thinking, actually, I'm not getting into a place where I can actually just enjoy being with God, this is not guilt and condemnation if you're not doing that. This is an encouragement and a challenge. It's actually, find a place. Find a time. It doesn't have to be long. But get into a place to say, actually, God, I want to be in a place of being amazed and astonished by your incredible love. So there's that kind of beauty in the infinite love and power of God. And what I love about this is that you can go from like a, a desert place to being immersed in his presence within a moment. So even though you might feel tonight like quite, quite far away or feel really in a desert place of not knowing, how do I get back? You know, I've been there. I think probably most of us can say, if you've had a relationship with Jesus for a long time, we've, we've been in those desert places where 
where you know you want to get back and you just can't. You open up the Bible, it's like all the words have fallen out and you can't really kind of read anything. You're not, you know, is it only me or do we all have that moments, yeah? Where we just seem to hit a brick wall. Actually, he can change it in a moment. And all he's asking us to do is either come with a sense of, I'm just going to come and praise you, or I'm just going to come and surrender and just say, will you do something fresh and new in my life? It's so important. And that's my point tonight, is a desire for us to pursue God, to constantly seek him. We will be changed and transformed. But not only that, God will use you to impact other lives too. Because what happens is that we carry something that is attractive. You read in the book of John that Jesus is the light of the world. And his light penetrates any darkness, even the deepest, darkest place. The presence and the power of Jesus brings light. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. It's getting that scripture rooted in us. And I know when I don't get into my word, into the word, into my word, into the word of God, I start to get in a dry place. The moment I start reading and, rem- and kind of trying to remember, my memory is really poor when it comes to things like this. Words are songs I'm rubbish at, and I, I create loads of new songs because I can never remember the right words. So I get them in the wrong orders, those kind of things. But actually, it's, it's coming to a place where I just want to sing songs and sing, play, uh, sing and just remember verses. They just kind of then live through you. And so, but this is the point. When I became a follower of Jesus, you know, we would hear quite a lot about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is very much the, pre- is very, is, is the presence of God. Okay? But I grew up going to Sunday school, to a Sunday school that really never really talked about the Holy Spirit. Um, I wasn't a Christian going to Sunday school, but I heard lots of stories. So you'd hear a lot about terminologies of, of God, Heavenly Father, Jesus, you'd hear all those, but very, very rarely would you ever hear about the Holy Spirit. So this Holy Spirit business was something that, at that time, I couldn't relate to. It didn't make sense, didn't really hear about it. But as I got involved then in a charismatic church, and you'd hear about Heavenly Father, Jesus, that was still good. And then you hear about the Holy Spirit, I would tense up and get a little bit nervous. And why? Because I related that to the weird and wacky, to like the American televangelist who would be screaming and shouting and people would be falling over, to being in a room where people would be laughing, like where you go, it's almost like it's inappropriate or, or actually breaking down into tears. It's like, why are you crying? You know, all those kind of things were, were happening. And I was fearful because I didn't understand what it was about. And I think what it was is that when you talk about Heavenly Father, it talks about someone I can relate to. When you talk about Jesus, it's a person I can relate to. The Holy Spirit was just kind of, I couldn't kind of grab hold of what it really, really meant. But actually, when we look at the Holy Spirit, it talks about what Jesus says the Holy Spirit is the helper, the comforter, the advocate. It talks about when Jesus said, that actually it's better I go so the helper can come. And I want to look at those verses in a few moments. So it's important for us when we think about like the day of Pentecost, when we think about the move of the Holy Spirit, when we think about his presence, 
We need to get in a place of saying, yeah, I'm open to receive. Because actually I know when we get filled with the Holy Spirit, he does us good. So our lives are built on the most important story. And at the center of our faith is a story of what Jesus has done for us. He came to earth, and we know that he wasn't just a, a teacher, he wasn't just a good person. He came with the mission to actually save mankind. And we know about this story, and, and, and again, in your prayer life, it's key to just keep this at the center. Pray it each and every day, thanking God for the fact that he died for us. He was willing to go to the cross. He was willing to become sin. He had the sin of the world placed upon him. The wrath of God was placed upon him. And he died the most horrific death. Didn't deserve it. He was perfect. Yet, he died in our place. And like we sing with these songs and talk about kind of the goodness of God is the fact that actually he rose from the dead. And that should be a yippee moment. Yeah, it should be a place we rejoice because we know he's overcome sin and death. Oh, death, where is your sting? We've got nothing to fear if we put our trust in him. He is the one that walks with us. And sometimes we forget this bit, is the fact that actually he then ascends to be at the right-hand side. He sits down at the right-hand side of his father. He intercedes for us. And the fact is, why is that an important thing? And when we talk about the death and the resurrection of Jesus with the ascension is the fact that then he fulfilled the promise of sending the Holy Spirit. And I just want to read out a couple of um, verses. And this is kind of uh, in, in, in the book of John, in chapter 14 and 15 and 16. Um, don't worry, I'm not going to read all those three chapters out. I'm just going to go to a couple of verses. So you just get the idea of the theme of what's actually going on here. So this is Jesus. I'm talking about, if I just get to the right page. So Jesus says this, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I'll pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. He calls him the Spirit of Truth. So that's that's verse 16. Then you go into verse 25. Jesus says, These things I've spoken to you while being present with you. Verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And then verse 15, verse 26, nevertheless I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if, if I do not go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. And then chapter 16, verse 7, it says, well, that was 16, verse 7, so actually 15, verse 26, but when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Jesus is promising and you've got to bear in mind that when we read these, these chapters is the fact that obviously the disciples, the people hearing that, would not have fully understood what's going on because they're living in that moment. We have the advantage of knowing what happens. Wouldn't that be great in life if we could actually just... Well, actually, I don't know if it would all be great. Actually, if we could see in a book and go, oh, yeah, just flick a few pages, see what happens in the next few days. That would be terrible, actually. It's not a good idea. Um, it's good just to enjoy each day, yeah? Um, so in this, it's important for us to know that he's, he's promising 
something, promising the birth of something coming. It's an expectation. So, so what happens is the, the Holy Spirit fuels us and the Holy Spirit unites us. So just through the book of Acts alone, the Holy Spirit is mentioned 55 times and unity is mentioned 17 times. And we're going to come on to that in a moment about unity because I think that's so important when we're talking about church, what, what happens when unity comes together. So Jesus is about to ascend to heaven and he has a conversation with the disciples and we know that the, the conversations are going on at the beginning of Acts and so he tells them, go back to the upper room and wait there. Now if you go with me to Acts, if, you, if you've got a kind of a, a tablet with you, an iPhone, whatever, just use your thumb. If you haven't got a Bible with you, just kind of make a I'm flicking through pages kind of noise. All right. Um, and in Acts chapter 2, um, I hadn't prepared this bit, so I'm just looking through my Bible where it is. Okay. So, verse 1 When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so it talks about them gathering, and actually it says in Scripture beforehand, if I remember right, they're praying. So not just waiting there and going, something's going to happen today, let's, uh, let's just sit here and look at our phones, and we'll see what goes on, we'll wait. No, actually, they're that anticipating and in recent months, I've been really holding on to, I think it's in Psalm 27, which is, says, wait on the Lord. That's been just living with me. I hold on to that. And the wait means wait in faith. So it's not like waiting for a bus. Actually, it's waiting in faith. Expectation that Jesus is going to do something. It's an expectation. Do you have an expectation that God's going to do something in this, in this season? Hmm. Yes. The British, very British response there, Colin. All right, mmm, yes. We need like, yes, it's going to happen. Yes, an expectation that God's going to do something in this season. And so they waited, Holy Spirit comes. They get baptised in the Holy Spirit, but what happens, they kind of bundle out into the street. And I think this is a great way to show that actually it's not about, you know, some people just pursue coming you know, I'm just gonna, I just want to experience the Holy Spirit. That's all I want in my life is just to experience the Holy Spirit. Now, that's good in part. But if you're doing it just with a selfish desire to say, that's all I want to do is just be filled and that's great, then, then we've got a misunderstanding going on. Because what happens is when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it means actually we want others to know about this too. We want to represent the very goodness of God in our day-to-day. -day. Not going from Sunday to Sunday, and becoming just like a Sunday church where we put God down on Sunday night and come Monday we'll just go back to work and we just do whatever we do and that's fine and we pick him back up on Sunday morning. That, that is not a relationship with God. It's actually a desire to say we want to take the presence of God into our each and every day. That's why we need to keep coming to him each and every day and saying, fuel me God, that's what we need. I heard years ago talking about actually, you know, as human beings, we leak, okay? That's why we need to ask for the Holy Spirit each and every day. Because 
I don't know about you, but I get distracted very, very quickly. Oh, there's a bird. What was I praying about? I don't know. All right, we, we, we get distracted. Am I the only one that gets distracted? No? no we, we get distracted by all kinds of different stuff. It can be even good things. But actually, we keep coming back and saying, yes, Lord, I know I leak, and I need to be refreshed and refilled by you. It is only you that I want to have my attention and my gaze upon. It's important. So, so we know that the Holy Spirit fuels us, and it means that as we desire to meet with him, like we desire tonight, is actually then it fuels us because we want to take that message, the good news of Jesus' death, resurrection, the ascension to heaven, that he fulfilled the promise by sending the helper, the Holy Spirit, to come and change us. And as if, you, if you go through the book of Acts, you will see that, that actually it, the, the, the church, the early church, is birthed. And it's not a slow thing. It accelerates. And I love it that even when persecution and schemes by man to try and slow down the good news only accelerates it more. You know, when persecution, I can't remember which part of the early uh, few chapters of, of Acts, persecution comes. What happens? Believers get dispersed. What happens? The good news gets dispersed. And it means that the, the good news of Jesus goes to more and more people. I love it. And equally, what is as powerful and as beautiful is when a church is united. Again, in the early chapters of Acts, you read about that actually when, when unity happens, there's, there's actually a, a real sense of togetherness that can't be replicated in any other way. I mean, just look to the person next to you and just imagine where else would you sit next to them in any other setting? Obviously, if you're related, maybe married, then that might be a bit of a... I hope you do get to sit next to each other in other places. But, but in all seriousness, God's community is unique. And it's amazing. I, I love the fact that I'm part of a small group. We had a barbecue at Ros and Martin's house on, on Thursday. All right, they've said anyone can go to their house for a barbecue. No, actually, they didn't, all right? Uh, but you know what? There's a few of us that just gathered, and you know, we, just, we, we had a barbecue. Some turned up late. Um, and, uh, but actually, there was some richness in the fact that we got to sit around a table, and we just built friendship. And then we get tonight to gather together and worship. Maybe an opportunity to pray for one another. It's beautiful. And, and this, I, I just love it when church is united. I've been in environments where you're at the back of the room and you hear, and by the way, if you're at the back of the room, this is not aimed at you, all right? But there's been times where you hear the people grumble. You hear people gossip. And you know what? For leaders of churches, that sometimes can be the hardest thing they have to deal with is when people that really should be for them and with them and encouraging them are actually discouraging because of the fact that they may be gossiping or they don't like something they shared or we're going in a new direction in the sense of where God's leading us. You know what, I don't like that. And, and actually what, 
what I would encourage you is not to say you just need to fall in line, but we need to use our words carefully. And I can say that in this place because there are, like, Chrissy's on holiday. (laughs) But we need to honour our leaders and we need to encourage them. And if you do have a concern, there are the right ways to do it. But there's also many wrong ways. And as a church, we should be leading the way in a, in, to the rest of the, this island, to the rest of the world, about actually how we do that in an appropriate way. Is that we encourage and build up leaders. They've got a tough job. And so we get behind them. And I love it that, that unity, it's like God commands a blessing. And so for us, is that as we move forward in the same direction, it's powerful. It says something to the people out there. So very quick, as we just, um, I'll just begin to wrap things up. I'm not just looking at, if I've got any messages, I'm looking at the time, I promise you. Is that, as I say, if you've not read the book of Acts, well, I haven't actually read it right the way through for a while, and actually I want to go through it again, because I just want to remind myself of, of, of what I've just been talking about. But there's a couple of things that the Holy Spirit does. Um, there's a book by a guy called Wayne Grudem called Systematic Theology. It's a really easy read. All right? But actually, in one sense, Systematic Theology looks at all the big kind of headings about um, all the th- kind of stuff relating to God and just goes through it systematically. There's a bit of a clue in the title of the book. And so it's a book that can help dip in and dip out of things that you might be studying. And he talks about the Holy Spirit. Um, and so the Holy Spirit brings evidence of God's presence and to bless. And he came up or he kind of describes four different things about the Holy Spirit. And we're not going to have time to go into detail of all of them. I just want to highlight a couple of them. So number one, the Holy Spirit empowers. Okay, so one good example, one of the easiest examples, is the fact that Peter, we know before when Jesus gets arrested, what does he do? He denies knowing him. And he runs away. Why? Because he's fearing for his own life. And he goes into, effectively, like all the rest of the disciples, they go into hiding. However, they get baptised in the Holy Spirit. He's the first one to preach the first sermon. And is he fearful for his life anymore? No. In fact, what happens is he becomes passionate about the fact he wants to see other people saved. So the Holy Spirit empowers. Um... Number two, as I say, I'm going to give you the headings, really. The Holy Spirit purifies. Okay? So the Holy Spirit takes us from a place that, that actually we talk about impurity. It's the fact that the Holy Spirit reveals to us that we, we know that actually we've, we've sinned, we've fallen short, and actually we need a saviour. It's the Holy Spirit that reveals that to us. And so he comes, Holy Spirit, and purifies. All right? Number three, the Holy Spirit reveals. It points towards he points towards the fact that we need a saviour. Okay? The fact that the Holy Spirit reveals this. And also the Holy Spirit through maybe words of knowledge, prophetic words. It might be through, um, you know, I don't know if you've ever had this before where you're kind of maybe in a room and it could be that you're singing away and then you turn and you see and, and, and you look at a person and you think, I think God wants to say something over that, that person. Yeah? Anyone ever had that before? Yeah? 
Yeah. We've got to be careful we don't freak them out when we just stare at them, all right? And don't look too long when you think, is God saying something to that person or not? I don't know. I'm just going to hold it, you know, that, that kind of stare. All right, um, very quick, actually, this is at this uh, New Day event many, many years ago. Um, I turned around, and there was one of our young people there, and I just felt God in that moment speak to me, and I thought, okay, well, I'll go over, and I always encourage, it's about testing things, it's weighing things up. It's not like God says this about you, so you must act on it. It's about you can sometimes take it away, and actually, is that what God is really saying? So it was with a, a girl that must have been about 14, somewhere around that time. So I had a, another youth leader with me. So I said, can you just come with me? I just want to share this, this word. And I just said to them, I don't know if this means anything to you, but does the, um, being a nurse mean anything to you? And she breaks down into tears. And I think, oh my goodness, this better be a good thing. Not that I've kind of upset her now. And actually what had happened is that she'd been asking God about what do I do with my future? And she felt she was in a bit of a stuck place. She was unsure. Nursing was kind of there. But actually what she was been asking God is for some kind of confirmation about what do I do with my future. And that just brought such a, a wave of like reassurance that actually what has happened is that they then took that, believed God had spoken to her, talked to her parents about it when, when she got back, went and trained and is now a qualified nurse. So either she acted on my words, which is not a wise thing to do, or God's done something through using an individual to speak to them, and they've acted on it. God's good. Yeah? And I don't go around going, that's my story to share. No, actually, I recognize it's the fact that actually God is good, and he uses us. He loves to partner with us. So let's embrace that. And if you think, oh, I've never been in that place before, come to a place and just ask God. Just ask God. And so that's a way that God can speak to us. And as I said before, the Holy Spirit unifies. All right? I love the fact, as we talked about in the book of Acts, the church is born. You get such a real mishmash of people that, again, you can look around the room and see the different people, the different places we've come from, all that kind of stuff. But it's God that brings us together. And we are all changed because of the very presence of God through the Holy Spirit living in us. So I just want to finish by reading in Acts chapter 2, um, verse 16. It's, uh, this is actually part of Peter's first preach, and it's, he uses the words of the prophet Joel. And maybe, why don't you just close your eyes just for a moment? And just kind of dwell on these words, because I want us to use this as a prayer as we go back into a time of, of worship. So this is what, what Peter says. He says, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. And they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
If you're able to, why don't we all stand together? Colin, would you just be able to bring us your band up? Because I'm very conscious when we talk about, like at the beginning, about the importance of the younger generation, I'm very, very well aware that we're not exclusive when we talk about wanting to see people encounter the presence of God. Church should represent different nations, should represent different languages, different colors of skin. It doesn't matter what background you come from. It doesn't matter whether you've been poor or rich in wealth. It's the fact that actually it's God that brings us together. And so this is about us coming united and saying amen to the fact that actually we want to see sons and daughters prophesying. We want to see young men and the old men dream dreams and see visions. Young, young women, old women, mature women, that's the word. Men's servants, my maid servants, pour out my spirit on those. And we want to see more and more and hear stories of the fact that more people are crying out to the name of Jesus. As they do that, they will be saved. That's what we look to, because why we hold on to the good news, the gospel, which is that Jesus died and rose again, and he ascended so that he would fulfill his promise of sending the Holy Spirit to come and be upon us. So, Heavenly Father, maybe if you'll feel free to lift up your hands in a place of, it's, it's totally free to do what you wish. But I want to encourage this a moment to say, Lord Jesus, we want to honor your name. And Father, I pray, Lord, I pray for a fresh outpouring. I want to pray, Lord Jesus, that we'll be in a place time and time again of saying, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for fulfilling your promise of sending the Holy Spirit to be upon us. Lord, save us from being selfish to say, Lord, I just want to have an experience. And instead, have a mindset and a heart that says, Lord, fuel me so I can go to this broken world, go into dark places and take the very light of the presence of Jesus into every circumstance, every situation. Jesus, we want to see in this world evil retreat. We want to see the name of Jesus advance. We want to see people set free. We want to see people healed and restored and redeemed. That there'll be more people on this island and beyond these shores that will declare that, Lord Jesus, you're the one that reigns on the throne. That you are the one that's worthy to be praised. That, Lord Jesus, you are the only one that we want to look to where we can say, Lord Jesus, you are the God of my life. Lord, I pray that you help us to not idolize anything else, but to say, Jesus, you are the Savior of the world. You're the Savior of my life. And Jesus, it is you that we want to see is on the move. 
So where you are, I, don't, I, want to, I just want to discourage right now anyone praying out loud. I just want this to be a between you and God right now is maybe God stirring something in your heart. And just between you and God, maybe it's a moment where you actually realize that, do you know what, I, I've been holding on to the wrong things. I just need to realign. So maybe for you today is just starting by saying, Lord, I'm sorry. But know that he just invites you just to lay that down because he forgives you. Maybe there's something that God has shown you that in a dream or in a vision and is saying to you that actually is to maybe pick it up again. Maybe he's putting something in your mind and in your heart right now. Maybe he's bringing a verse to your attention. It might be really small. It might be a huge thing. But whatever it is, he cares about you.